Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It is available from Chaosium. I am the Keeper of the Secrets, and this is episode 11. A recap will be given by Keith Craig as his character, Gunter Block. So, without any further delays, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Keith? Thank you. Uh, Adoring, can we uh, hold off on reading the journal? I need to refill my coffee and write a couple of my thoughts down. Uh, from the Journal of Gunther Block. What a time to be alive. I'm currently riding the Orient Express en route from Paris to Lausanne. I believe that, I firmly believe that almost everything can be explained by science, even if we haven't discovered the secret yet. However, I've am confounded by my recent experiences. Maybe some fume or the rhythmic swaying and the motion of the train is causing the six of us to have a shared dream. But what fumes could cause this? I've never heard of anything documented in this. In our shared dream, we came to a strange port city of Diathelion. Besides the strangeness of it being a dream city and some strange creatures moving about, it's much like any other port city that I've been been to in the waking world, I guess I'll refer to it. You know, bars, ruffians, people having a good time. The city guards were armed with swords and had tabards with eyes on them, but they seemed to be quite nonchalant, mostly uh, looking at people and then ignoring petty crimes. After stopping by a bar and having some rather potent liquor with our, our Russian friend we had met on the train of the Dreamlands, we decided to explore the city a bit more and went up a hill away from the wharf. It seems that a lot of, a lot of uh, people, we'll call them, lived in the city. Uh, while we were climbing up there, uh, Dr. Edison noticed that someone was wearing a cape and standing on top of a roof. We half expected him to take off and fly. However, he just continued to st stand there. As we walked, walked back, he was still, still there, cape blowing in the wind. We all remembered this in the morning. How? How, how could we have this shared dream? Anyway, back at, in the dream, we're uh, back at the train. We met some arrogant bipedal creatures. I hesitate to call them human, although they had arms and legs, but something about them was off. It almost took you to the uncanny valley looking at, at them. They, they were rather, uh, they gave me the impression of when I was in school and people would, uh, would make fun of me behind my back. This was reinforced when we went to the dining lodge and they uh, wanted to talk to Dr. Edison, but made it very clear they did not want to speak with me. We did meet a, uh, a much friendlier creature. Uh, again, human shape, but with a purple skin and yellow eyes. His name was Mirahan Mira. Obviously, uh, it would take some practice to be able to pronounce his name correctly. Oddest of all, there were some green creatures that were only wearing a loincloth. They came to ride the train. Ah, the smell. Sound like It smelled like they hadn't been washed in ages. They came up to Henry and produced a screeching golden frog. So strange. Henry explained that this is how they communicate. I couldn't understand anything they said. As we're getting ready to leave, we saw a, a woman throw herself off of a cliff, and then the 
train reached out with a tentacle and caught her and brought her onto the Orient Express, onto the Dreamland train. She was an entertainer who is writing, says she's writing the Orient Express also. I wonder if at the same time we are. Apparently she was fleeing some scoundrel that was trying to force himself on her. But then uh, Dr. Essen tripped, and next thing I knew, I was uh, laying in bed, and the dream was fading away. However, I was most rested I'd ever been. We met in the, uh, the dining car for our coffee, and that's when we began piecing together that we had all shared this dream. Dorian suggested that we start reading from uh, Smythe's journal as we had several hours before we got to Luzan and told a very strange story from 1893, a story of a, a fez of some kind. It seems that Dr. Smythe had a group of associates back then that were uh, brought into his investigation and, and were appointed to ride the Orient Express also. I guess uh, Mark Twain was right. History doesn't repeat itself. It only rhymes. Smith's, 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 Smith's colleague, Demir, Demir, was researching a, a fez of some strange power. And he uh, let it be known that uh, one of his students, a uh, Matthew Pook, had decided to steal the fez from a man that, named Lottie. Apparently, he was successful in stealing this fez, but something awful happened. That's when the, uh, the associates were brought in. They were uh, notified by by Smythe to meet, meet them in Whitechapel, that accursed district that was ha haunted by Jack the Ripper, and to bring weapons. When they got to the apartment, uh, there was an old man laying on the bed, but uh, wearing a, uh, a fez, a bright red fez on his head. And the smells were awful, like uh, feces and, and vomit. When uh, they, they asked who it was, it was explained that this was Matthew Pook, Pook a young man, but they had somehow aged. When they tried to remove Pook from the residence to get him to the hospital, he, uh, he, he died, and then, then the lights went out. Pook transformed into some strange creature with a large tongue that almost looked like a tassel, as it was described by Smythe. He killed the doctor but it was uh, struck down by the, uh, the associates of Dr. Smythe. Smythe uh, then asked his associates to head, head out as he was going to deal with the police. He asked the associates that he, they're going to need to take the Fez to Constantinople to try and destroy it, because in London that it is, it is indestructible. I knew Smythe had some wild ideas about the supernatural, I always explained that it, but I always explained to him that everything would be eventually explained once we discovered more science. Now I'm wondering if maybe there are some things that cannot not be explained through the scientific method. What horrors await me in Luzanne? Do I dare keep reading this journal with my associates? And if I do, was last night my last night of pleasant sleep? Excellent. So back in 1893, um, after receiving the telegram that you got back from De Beer, um, saying how dangerous the thing was, um, it's currently Monday morning, and you have until Wednesday morning 
to catch the Orient Express. Uh, what would you like to do? And um, I'll, I'll kind of remind you too that in this case, Smythe is a source of information as well. He's can help your research and find stuff. Right. And he had a nice library at his house in the 18. He did. Might might have some. Uh, Plus, books. you've got the British Museum Library. Yeah, yeah. And Smythe's library will probably be much more esoteric than the British Museum. Um, yeah. Uh, also, technically, got the Oriental Club's library, too. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And currently, the fez we have wrapped and in a container. You have it in a, a hat box. Yeah. Delivered to a, is it a hat box. And the instructions were given just to me that it should remain inert if it's not worn. But I wouldn't mind putting it in something sturdier. I agree. It seemed to have some capacity to move of its own volition, and it's obviously extremely dangerous. Well, I want very little to do with the damned thing. Um, as long as it stays away from my person, I, I don't care what the hell you do with it. Hmm. But in Professor, box bag, you have iron box to put hat in, yes? Sorry, that- Smythe? Da. Oh, um... I, I don't have anything like that, but it's certainly something that we can procure. Yes, uh, something perhaps a, a tool chest or something of the sort with steel sides should yes. be reasonably easily attained. Something that doesn't look like a hat box. Right. Also, yes, uh, especially colorful and decorative is that appears to be seen as inappropriate. I suspect that uh, those responsible were waiting around for the police to leave so that they could retrieve the hat, but we have it instead. So we have an advantage. Hmm. Um, tell us, we didn't really get to ask a, a lot. Uh, how did you happen to learn even of this Bez? Well, I mean, to put things into perspective, uh, Professor Demir told me that Lottie was coming uh, from Constantinople to London and that he had this strange artifact. Um, Hmm. He told me that in that first telegram. Hmm. And then he told me that his student, uh, Pook, uh, Matthew, was observing the situation from a distance. Um, And then he disappeared. And then I Hmm. wasn't called until until Matthew called out my name. I, perhaps, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I, I worded that, that wrong. How did uh, Lottie uh, discover? That we no, don't know. Uh, um, he's probably a wannabe cult leader of some sort. There's a lot of them uh, out uh, there. Um, but but you, you make a, an interesting suggestion. Um, Matthew Pook might have known quite a bit more. Uh, mm. I think I've got his address where he was staying. Yes. We could maybe find a journal of his or something that he'd taken notes of his own. That might be sure. We good. should be very careful. I mean, if these, if the men who uh, did that to him, mm, found yes. him um, they may be watching his house. 
his apartment. Uh, most likely. Well, but, if they knew where he lived, uh, I suspect. I suspect they caught him when he was trying to pilfer the hat. He was perhaps foolish enough to escape with it by wearing it, which was his own damnation. I don't know that he would have been so foolish, but perhaps um, I'm looking for the address now. Oh, no problem. We do enjoy jotting those down. Besides, we have uh, Dimitri here. He He's a large gentleman that would be able to uh, scare off some potential troublemakers. <laughs> ah, here it is. It's a Lambeth uh, uh, address. And he gives you the number. Uh, it, was a, it was a fairly modest flat um, in, a, in a, a house where there's other students. Okay. Makes sense. So there's that matter to follow up. Um, also, there may be quite a bit of information. Oh, we can check our library here. Um, if it's if it's um, if it has any actual connection to Fez, then it's probably got some Turkish or Persian or you know. That's probably in the background of it. Where did it come from? How long has it been around? Yeah, I want to to check for uh, history of of Fez. Uh, maybe it's uh, origins. Also, there. If if this villain, we'll call him that, um, has been up to things here in abouts in London, maybe there's something in the news. Mm. He seems, and, uh, rather, he seems rather, uh, uh, do I want to say, uh, notorious? Very, well, he seems very uh, haughty. Um, Pook doesn't describe him being stealthy in any manner. Uh, as to the uh, symbolism present on the thing itself, it's supernatural of some sort. It, uh, the lettering changes. Uh, I don't recognize any kind of what the hieroglyphics are that are moving. It's I don't want to look at it. It bothers you. It's very difficult to look at. Actually, um, before our very I, eyes. I also think that it makes noises. Uh, it made me feel feel nauseous when it just when came near. It. Yeah, brush up. It is truly a thing of evil. Awful. I I think our best course of uh, of uh, finding something really pertinent to it would be first to to find Matt's uh, go there and look for any sort of research he had done on it because that would be directly related to the item as opposed to to blindly searching for it in the museum. Yeah. Also. Mm. I suggest we split and follow many threads all at once. I will begin with history here in uh, Professor, your uh, most excellent personal library, and then to Oriental Club if need be. Ah, I uh, I was uh, 
thinking of going to uh, Pook's residence. If anyone would care to join me, I think we nope. should at least travel in pairs. Which I, I quite agree. That's yes. probably wise. Yes, I will uh, stay with uh, Dimitri. My historical knowledge might be able to help you a little. Yes, yes, I am history student too. Very good to have you, James. And slaps him hard on the back. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. So who's going oh, to go Charles? With Charles? I'll, 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 I'll go with good Charles. Uh, As I. Or, but I mean, three of us going there, unless Bernard, if you want to go with the professor to the British Museum. Um, Mm, you know, I fancied having a look at the lad's uh, flat, but I'm flexible. Well, uh, in both I mean, cases, if that's what you want to do, Bernard. I I will happily go to the to the museum, and I don't know if anybody needs to come with me. It shouldn't be too dangerous of a place. It's public, certainly. Although, yes, twos and twos make sense. Yes, I'll I'll join you. All right. So, as, as in, uh, join join me or join uh, Montgomery. No, I, I, yes, join Montgomery. Then no one will be in in uh, individual straight. Right. Looks like it's some sort of assault. Looks like it's you and me, Sydney. You've got it. I'm particularly handy at uh, cracking locks and such, if need be. Mm. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that. But I hope not. But I want to find something there. I think we have the best shot. Okay. Let's um. Let's do the British Library first. Um, now, you guys are residents of London. You guys probably do research on all sorts of things. So you don't need to make any clearances um, like your uh, 1920s characters did uh, because you are quite used to going there. You have a, your card-carrying uh, <laughs> members. Um, you still have to use help with things. Um, but uh, that's fine. You're, you're well familiar with that. All right. So do either one of you speak any foreign languages, any Arabic languages? Arabic? No, I have English and Latin. Uh, no, yeah, quite European. So you're going to be somewhat uh, limited to translations if you can find them. Uh, I would like you to do a library role. Never been any good with books, Bernard. 24. I will spend four points of luck to pass. Fine call, I think. All right. So you're looking around for any kind of reference to fezes or hats or, or things like that from a previous ages and eventually it probably takes you a couple of hours to do it but you find a reference a translation of uh, strange folklore from uh, medieval uh, ottoman empire you find this piece uh, let's see here <clears throat> on the history of the blood red fez attributed to Koraglu, 1550 AD. A story is told that during the reign of Salim Ayyabuz, Salim the Strong, a rivalry arose between two royal cousins 
Hamza and Mehmet both wished to obtain greater and greater power. The first, Hamza, resorted to bribery and charm to work his way up into the royal court. The second, Mehmet, resorted to black magic and trickery. The extent of the rivalry is well known and neither fully succeeded in, the, in his task, but of the two, the most successful was the Dark Magician. In those days, marriages were arranged and subject to the Sultan's blessing so that the bloodlines were maintained. Hamza was a closer relation to the Sultan and therefore carried the royal line. Mehmet was related by marriage only. Mehmet made a plan to obtain a portion of Hamza's blood by hiring a skilled assassin, not to kill him, but to wound him. It is said that Mehmet, using his dark arts and drawing on his knowledge from forbidden texts and using the blood thus obtained, created a fez of great power. This object was drawn out of the infernal places and, give, and gave its wearer control over others who were enslaved to its power. This required blood as a sacrifice. Any blood would do, but the blood of anyone from the line of Hamza or the Sultan would magnify that power a thousandfold. And so Mehmet began to enslave those around him and battle lines were drawn and a great sortie began. But the love of Allah rests on good men and before the evil man could overthrow the Sultanate and seize power, his head was separated from his body. Mehmet's body was dragged through the streets. What happened to the accursed Fez is not clearly known, but as re but it has resurfaced in stories from time to time. Well, that certainly sounds like the blasted thing. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if there's some way in which Mehmet's spirit is attached to it and can be uh, reasoned with or compelled so, in some way. Wearing it certainly didn't give uh, poor Pook any power. That's that's for sure. It almost yeah. it gave something else power over him. It is interesting. Um, is there anything that we can look up about those people, those names? Um, Mehmet. The only name that does come up is uh, uh, Salim, uh, what was it? Uh, Salim the first, uh, Yavuz, who is uh, 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 Sultan of uh, the Ottoman Empire. Uh, so he comes up. All of the members of households and cousins and all that there probably are records of them, but they're not in English. They're going to be in Persian and Turkish and things like that. You, you get the impression also that there are probably quite a few references to the Fez, but they're not in English. Uh, this was the one that you found. Um, Dimitri and James, you're back going through the more esoteric stuff. And without realizing it, you also find a few references very similar to uh, what uh, Montgomery found, Montgomery and Bernard. Uh, but I would like you also to do a library roll. That is a hard success. Oh, nice. So in addition to that information. You also find this. Hmm. That. On rewards, drinking, bathing in, or simply spilling the blood of a royal while wearing the fez is said by some to bring vast favors of the dark gods. 
Others claim it to be the key to immortality, but such dark entities may view their principalities differently to our own. Our warning. Pay heed to this warning, wearing this abomination can uh, called the blood red fez will bring calamitous ruin upon the wearer as one renders up one's soul and one's mind to the unearthly will of the fez and its terrible masters only those most skilled in the ways of the dark arts can hope to survive such a thing and for them perhaps the price is even more terrible it is possible to control the fez and even halt its terrible purpose. Seekers after dark knowledge should consult the book, The Whispering Fez. Hmm. The Whispering Fez. Let in us so- seek it out and see if it is in this uh, this library collected by the uh, good professor. I very it would be intriguing if it was, but I very much doubt. This seems like it would be kept uh, in a, a text of that value most likely in a museum or a library somewhere else, maybe in a different country, most likely. You are, it is, in fact, not in this collection. You are <laughs> most likely correct. Yes, uh, it is interesting. We are, with this feds, we are seemingly in my area of expertise and the historical knowledge. It'll be interesting to see what we unearthed. It might be interesting. <laughs> Very fascinating. Okay. Um, Keith and Sydney, um, you drive over to the, the residence listed. It's a two-story building, uh, and it looks like it's occupied mostly by students. Uh, who have rooms there, um, go up and I would like you to do a spot hidden roll. Hmm. No. Wait a minute. Wait for it. Ooh. Oh, 54 out of 55. Success. Um, as you're going up the stairs, um, you know, a lot of times normal everyday occurrences happen and we don't really pay attention to them. In this case, somebody goes down the stairs as you're going up and you just ignore it. Um, but when you get to Matthew Pook's room, the door is open. It's cracked open a little bit. Mm. I'm going to, and you can uh... tell that it's been jimmied. Mm. Um, and, but we did make notice of somebody passing us by. Just Yeah. Okay, I take a quick double take down. Is he looking back at us or is he increasing the speed? No, he's gone. I mean, he's gone down the stairs and out the door rather briskly. I mean, you just thought he was going to classes or something. Yeah. Um, Was he carrying anything? No, not that you saw. But uh, if you like go to the window at the end of the hallway and you look out, you get a fairly decent look at the fellow. Uh, he's, you know, fairly probably in his mid twenties. Uh, he's dressed uh, in a rather light-colored uh, suit, you know, 
and he hops into his car and drives away for you. I mean, while you're watching, mm. um, it looked car? like it also looked like it didn't look like a really expensive car, but it wasn't a really cheap car either. Okay, didn't right. didn't look nervous. Wasn't like looking over their shoulder or anything like that. No, mm. no. All right. And it might be nothing, but at the same time, it seemed an awful odd coincidence. Oh, 1893 car. <laughs> I forget what period we're in. Uh, there you go. Karen. He got on those? his he got on his medium expensive bicycle and uh, rode <laughs> okay. off quickly gotcha. into the distance. With the big front wheel. Yeah. So yes, many farther. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so as we as I go back to uh, the Matthew's room. I'm going to uh, put my hand inside my coat and uh, have my uh, little derringer just near near my hand. So I, uh, but not out because I don't want to look like. So I just just ready and then uh, put my hand on the door and push it open and kind of do the quick look around, see if anyone's in in the room. Obviously, there's nobody in there, but. Okay. It becomes almost, I mean, with, with just regular eye looking, you can see that somebody has kind of looked around in here. They've opened up some drawers. They've riffled through some things. Mm. Looks like uh, looks like they might have had this address already, despite our hopes there, Sydney. Yeah, well, it looks like they've looked around a little bit, but you know, maybe not thoroughly. Maybe, maybe there's still something to find in here. Yeah, so I'm gonna go to his desk if he has a desk first. Okay, and uh, you know, obviously, do the first quick scan okay. on the top, and then start going through the drawer, starting with the center drawer right above your legs first. You see, you know, a number of correspondence here. You know that this is Pook's uh, room. And uh, nothing in particular. You can see, you know, uh, evidence that he was in Constantinople and that he was attending university there and that he's attending university here. And he seemed to be working on his uh, career. Um, He had an interest and fascination in, you know, the occult things. Uh, but not unhealthy, not any more than you guys did. Right. Why don't you guys do a spot hidden as you look around the room? Come on. 19, that's a hard. Glad you're with me, Sydney. Okay. I can't. (laughs) So Sydney is looking around and you're thinking to yourself, where would you hide a private journal? Uh, Especially since you know that there are dangerous people out there. And, uh, you know, you try the usual spots and then you finally think, you know, the headboard looks kind of odd. Maybe there's a space behind it. And in fact, you find a small journal and you pull it out. And I mean, you don't read the entire thing, but you do find this from the last few days. Ah, Charles, look at this here, right here behind the. The headboard. Oh, good find. Excerpts from the Journal of Matthew Pook, August 1st, 1893. Lottie has a powerful influence on the gullible. He keeps the blood-red fez described by Professor Demir 
in a nondescript hat box of dirty brown. Neither he nor his minions seem willing to touch it. Looks harmless, but Demir knows better and has warned me. August 2nd, 1893. My research at the British Museum Library has called me away from time to time, but my regular checks on Lauti and his minions show things are unchanged. They are staking out a house in Three Blithering Lane in Rotherhithe. I've asked around and learned a Fez collector lives there. Professor Demir says I should be cautious, but I easily outwitted the claws. He is watching the place. They seem obsessed. I'm confident none saw them. August 3rd, 1893. Laudi plans part soon on the Orient Express back to Constantinople. I saw him purchase tickets for himself and his followers, though he could not tell when they intended to travel. There seems to be something else Laudi wants before he can leave London. It could not be the Fez since he came to London with it. Something in the Fez collector's house, I'm sure of it. August 4th, 1893. I have decided to steal the Fez from under Laudi's nose. He follows a very predictable pattern. While he and his cronies are busy in Rothathai, I shall break into his room and steal the blood-red fez. The fools won't have a clue what happened. With the artifact as my prize, I can speed back to Constantinople and hand it over to Demir. Imagine the look on the professor's face, disaster averted by his favored student. Mm. And that is the last entry. Because mm. we know that's not what happened. Right. That was just a few days ago, the fourth. Today's the seventh, yep. right? Yeah. But that lines up. I mean, obviously, it is of immense power for him to evade so much. But um, so I know it, since I've lived in London, uh, that Rother. That, that di- yeah. Is that uh, London district? Yeah, it's somewhere nearby. Okay. All right. Do we want to uh, maybe just pass by that that area, Sydney, before we go and meet the others? I think that's a splendid idea. Okay, so you guys uh, are heading. Be careful. The rather yeah. high address. Uh, Montgomery and Bernard in the library. Um, do another library. I remain quite uh, uncomfortable in these closed spaces. Dusty, I find them. Well, with eight more points of luck, we're going to find something else. Good eye, Cameron. You guys decide to be fairly thorough in your uh, looking through things. And you recall that the professor had said, you know, check the papers, see if there's anything. Uh, local or anything new going on and sure enough um, just a couple days ago you find something that was actually kind of big news uh, if you were reading the newspaper at the time uh, you find this article that you found that uh, oh, in the times brother hive fez murder well that sounds cowardly killing of elderly antique fez collector Criminal gangs are at large. Late Thursday night, elderly Fez collector, Mr. Joshua Devore, 
age 70. Number three, Blittering Lane, rather I've, was murdered during what police say was a burglary of his rather I, the residence. Described as eccentric, but essentially harmless, Mr. Defoe was brutally bashed to death with a blunt instrument and his house ransacked. Mr. DeVore was noted for his collection of fezzes from all over the world, as well as fez-related literature and memorabilia. No fezzes appeared to be stolen from Mr. DeVore's extensive collection of that particular headwear. A glass case containing examples of fez literature in rare books and manuscripts was overturned and smashed. Police suspect the damage was done in a mad search for money by the perpetrators. Inspector Kendall of Scotland Yard believes it is the work of a local burglar gang terrorizing the vicinity. These rogues are getting bolder. It was only a matter of time before someone was done to death, he says. The inspector assured the Times reporter that the gang would be apprehended and feel the full measure of the law. Rather, either residents are urged to secure their premises at night and take appropriate precautions toward their persons. Oh, sounds well, as though they had a literary intention, does it not? Yes, I, I fear that our uh, good old servants of His Majesty's government are uh, a little too fixated on the idea of money, as if it was the only the money and the hats were the only things to take. Yeah. But I mean, case... recognize that a hat might be stolen or a hat might be valuable or mm -hmm. those might... books. Yes. It always keeps coming back to books, Bernard. This a day, it seems. I... <sighs> Knowledge is power, they say. So, although you can anticipate what's about to happen, and Charles and Sydney drive by the place, um, there are a number of police investigators that are there. Um, obviously, there had something had happened there, and you're not precisely sure what. Um, but there's probably no way at the moment that you can get inside. So you probably you head back to the uh, uh, the headquarters where Smythe is and where uh, uh, Dimitri and, uh, and James are. Uh, Montgomery and Bernard, you probably likewise, with your information, you all head back. So you're all back at the house. What have we found? Uh, well, uh, we found that someone uh, was aware of Pook's residence besides us. Uh, his his uh, room was ransacked before before we got there, uh, but they did not find his journal. Check this out. Oh, excellent! Did uh, did the uh, Bergens leave any clues to their identity? Pile of red hats, perhaps. <laughs> that was such luck. Uh, we uh, we saw saw who we. Thought it might have been. Uh, he passed us going down the uh, stairwell, but unfortunately, when he went by, we didn't know that the room was broken in, so we didn't make any note of it. You know, just another person using the stairwell. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Sydney got a good. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And 
Sydney got a good look. I would say he was wearing a white white outfit. A light, yeah, light, light colored, like a summer suit, and uh, and he, he rode away in a in a a fairly nice bicycle. But most interesting, he was uh he thinks that uh, this uh, villain was uh, watching a fez collector that that lived at three blithering lane in in Rotherhide, and when we went by. The police were all over there, so it seems like maybe they had gotten there before us again. Yes, the uh, the Fez Collector is no longer with the living. Uh, Bernard yeah, poor, and myself came across a, an article. Poor uh, Blighter was bludgeoned to death. Oh. They didn't uh, take any hats, as far as the authority could determine, but they did uh, smash his collection of literature about uh, exotic Eastern hats. Smash it? Do you think maybe they took it? Took some literature? Yes, the, 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 the report didn't indicate that they thought anything was stolen, but I think there's not a full accounting of all the books that he owned. Mm. I don't think the poor blighter's wife had an idea what books were contained in the in the cabinet. Books? Books on fences, you say? Oh, yes, quite. Uh, well, we, we find information on on why they would use such a vile hat for drinking of blood and, and claiming of dark powers. But we also find that there is a, a, a warning that it is possible for one to control the hat and not be controlled. I, I do not believe this, but it, it, it says that there may be more information in book called The Whispering Fez. Maybe, maybe collector has copy. Oh, I'm sure he had a copy. I mean, if that's if if this book, the Whispering Fez, was the missing link between Laudi using the hat, he had the hat. He just needed to know how to wield it. Um, it hmm. seems he's he's lost one piece of a, of the puzzle, but gained another. Yeah. Damn thing certainly does make little sounds, awful little sounds. It may be worthwhile to, to maybe you know sneak into into home and check to see if uh, Whispering Fez is uh, still there. Yeah, I mean, he uh, said that an Inspector Kindle was doing was leading the investigation, but. None of us have contacts with the uh, the uh, law enforcement, do we? I know I don't. Not as such, although, uh, you know, I do have friends in positions of some authority here and there. Hmm. Although I don't know that the authorities, I mean, the authorities seem to be very um confused about the nature of the theft, the murder, and so on. Which is understandable. It doesn't, doesn't hurt to make an effort, I suppose. Mm. Sydney and Charles, both, you um, you drove by. Um, it's, a, it's a single uh, flat where he lived. Actually, a, a rather old building. Um, there's a lot of old growth trees and things around it, so you think that 
those people breaking in probably didn't have any trouble at all because you know you can barely see the back end of the building through the trees and bushes and things Mm -hmm. they probably won't have police there 24 hours no i mean he's already dead why would they they wouldn't need to stake it stake it out yeah yeah i think tonight maybe it might be worth going to Going to look around. Agreed. Yeah. We go. Hmm. I wonder if there's any documentation of how many copies of this strange book there are are in the world. I know like to other rare books that people know how many copies are left. And... There, there may be a way to find that out, Charles. Can we go look at uh, printing catalogs of mm. um, people compile <clears throat> records from publishers, things from auctions, um, and the like. We don't have an, uh, uh, an author for the Whispering Fairs, do we? Mm, title no just title no publication year no nothing title not even a a country of origin I would assume Constantinople and the Ottoman Empire but Hmm. that's where uh, unless that English title is its original then I would assume it was somewhere in the empire The British Empire. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we could. Uh, do we think it's safe to send telegraphs to our uh, friend of a friend in Constantinople? Beer? Istanbul? Yes. Also, when you arrive in Vienna and uh, uh, the Baron joins you. He has quite an extensive knowledge of, of the occult as well. He might be able to shed some more light on the subject. He's once again a champion of, of the light. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yes, uh, it's your opinion, Smy, that as long as the thing isn't fed blood or worn, that it's more or less inert. I, I'm concerned that this whispering capacity would allow it to summon uh, ill-intended individuals. I'm afraid that uh, at the moment it's uh, it's we have no way of knowing. Uh, we're walking into the darkness. Mm. Into the darkness. Uh, while we wait for evening to fall, if it hasn't been done already, Dimitri will head out to a um, hardware store or general store and find some kind of sturdy, lockable box. Oh, okay. that's uh, tool chest size, you know, toolbox size or something, but uh, you know, something that we can lock, preferably with a handle, but not not required. That uh, can be nice and sturdy. 
Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. That's if, if you look around for, you know, at least a couple of hours, you're going to find something. Okay. Get it, uh, get the hat transferred into that and lock it up nice and tight. Brand new lock as well. New lock, new box. Fez inside, <laughs> lock it up. Looking across to, uh, um, as, as Theodore, uh, Gunther, Edison, the professors, doesn't, doesn't this Fez seem like it's might be related to the Sadafku Simulacron? Might it? I mean, I mean, I, I we have could... a leg and now we have something sort of on the head. I'm wondering if there's a connection here. I mean, both powerful artifacts from the same breed. Re, uh, the same region, a similar stemming from a similar religious culture. I mean, there might be a connection, but I don't. I don't know if the if this fez would be part of the of the statue. I, I because I mean the, the the way that they're describing it in this in this account is that it is a hat, and everything that we have of the Sedefgar simulacrum. I mean. Suggest to me that it's a statue of, of stone or porcelain. I, I don't know why you would combine those two. And I don't don't know if their dates of origins match because they yeah. were discussed of how they discovered the Fez originates in 1550. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Simulacra. Right. Um, Very good point. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, do we have an origin date for the Sedefgar Simulacra? No. No. So there may be a connection. I just don't know what it would be at besides both uh, in the major city of of uh, Turkey. Uh, What's Turkey now? Yeah. Greatest Turkish Empire, yes. Istanbul. Formerly Constantinople, as it were. Um, All right, now where were we back in this journal? All right, yeah. So uh, Charles is thinking maybe uh, with Montgomery talking about the printing catalogs. um, Don't just with it still being daylight and uh, Dimitri out looking for a heavy chest to store it in. Maybe just just seeing if checking those out, seeing if there is any history of that. Yep. All right. In this case, give me well, give me a library roll. Well, well, give me whatever you think's better, library or luck. I think library, even though I, my luck's higher, but I think the library is more. Oh, pass! Hey, I get a check mark. Nice. <laughs> you find um, you find a, a reference. Um, it is listed among rare books. Um, it's not known how, how, how many precisely were made, uh, but uh, it, it was actually, the, the Whispering Fez was written sometime in the eight, early 1800s and uh, that the Ottoman Empire suppressed it and destroyed uh, most of the copies. Uh, occasionally it'll come up in a rare book collection, but... Uh, 
it's rare and it's not known the location of any of them at this point okay there are multiple copies so okay hmm. so the odds that it could have been at that that person's at uh, that gentleman's house went up if it's only copy in the world i mean hmm. all right okay well i mean you, you devote your whole life to fezes um and there's such a rare book um has some mystique to it uh, since it was burned um certainly any anyone of so again so devoted to fezes would oh i seek such I, a thing out and add it to their collection i i'd be shocked if he didn't have a copy or at least try and got tried to get a copy you know oh hmm Yes, we must assume that they were at least seeking it, even if they didn't find it. And of course, they were willing to bludgeon them into death just to look, because there is a, a deeply amoral position behind all of these uh, increasingly horrific actions. I wonder what information spurred them here, because they, they, they bothered to travel all this way. Um, oh, so it may be cool. that they knew from some auction or something that this particular man in London had a copy and it was the only copy they knew of. So that's, that's why they traveled all the way here from Constantinople. I mean, he could have insured it and then it would have been, it could have been many ways they could have figured it out. And royal royal blood, do you think that they were intending to bring the hat here, get the book and then kill the king? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. But, oh, that'd be, be awful for our, good, our gracious monarch. Do an idea roll. 95. I have no ideas. I got an extreme. All of us. Oh, okay. I got an extreme. So, Well, the information that you found said specifically the Sultan's line. Yeah. Yeah. And they, if it was like Mehmet's or Hazmayer's, it'd be a thousand times stronger. Hmm. I mean, the Sultans, they had a lot of children. So there could be a lot of people that you could get the blood from. Hmm. Both legitimate and illegitimate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and unlike the European kings, they didn't feel it necessary to kill them all to let just the one become the next sultan. Um, so, all right. So it's going into the evening. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say I, I I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that those devils were after the uh were after that book. Yeah, I am too. There'd be no other there'd be no other reason for them to come all this way and then smash up this man's literature collection. Smash up this man for that matter. Yes, uh, yeah. Does it do you think that therefore it's incumbent upon us to retrieve the book from them before they mm. can use the information they're in? 
or do we simply want to get the thing back to the Orient as quickly as possible and have it destroyed? Well, I mean, rent them. the book to them is, even if they have the book, they don't have the Fez. I mean, the Fez is the one that's one of a kind. We have that. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we, they were seen buying tickets on the Orient Express and they're, they're headed back all, already. Yeah, we weren't sure what when uh, they were for, but we can we can guess. Well, they were they were purchased to return before their fez was stolen from them. Ah, yes, good they're, point. I think they're planning to get the book and then return. Ah, yes, that's a good point. I... The, but why did they bring the fez all this way? Also, unlike unlike in the nineteen twenties story. Um, the Orient Express doesn't travel three times a day yeah. in the 1890s. Got to book it ahead. You guys weren't able to get anything until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And even you are going to be making a connection to it as it's going. Maybe they brought the Fez to utilize its power in some sort of. Uh. I think they brought the Fez just because they're paranoid and they they feel better having having it with them. I had uh, the sword of Avalon. I would not. I wouldn't leave it behind me somewhere in a lockbox. I'd carry it everywhere and watch it. Yeah, it's a fair some point. passion. Fair point. Uh, it's I, also possible, says Professor Smythe. That they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. certainly seem scared of it, based on on uh, poor Pook's account. Um, yeah. Oh, any tragedies could be stumbled into by people not knowing what they're doing. Yeah, like <laughs> a very true fact. <laughs> History is full of such things. Do we think yeah. that they? Do we think that they used it against Pook intentionally, or that he unwittingly donned the damned thing? I don't know why they would I don't know why they would put it on him because now they're in this situation, right? I mean, they've lost it. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's that, my initial thought was they put it on, but then, yeah, they they lost control of it. I wonder if, if, like, maybe it whispered uh, to him and convinced him. You know, we didn't have, we didn't have much chance to explore the room in Whitechapel. Mm. Do you think that they were spending all that time out there trying to get it off of him? Well, Mrs. Grimm said that they'd been in there for three days. Yeah, so she'd heard much crying and they'd made claims about caring for him. Perhaps and she his... said she said whispering too in the in the night, mm. all through the building. Mm. Maybe some of us go back to Flophouse and check Pook's place of death. Two night sorties. This would be a busy evening. Well, but with three. Uh, Three at uh, 
the Fez deal- dealer's house, the odds of getting attention is much lower than having six of us try and sneak in. Very agreed. Uh, and we should all arm ourselves. I, I mean, agree. These these people are about, and I have my uh, derringer in my coat pocket at all times after uh, last night. Yes, uh, each of us should be suitably. Uh, Dimitri goes over to the fireplace and picks up a poker. Hey, I use this. I'm not really familiar with firearms. Well, I suppose I have it. Dimitri, you can't readily take that sort of thing on a handsome cab. It, uh, I mean, you are a large fresh fellow, but even sticking that in your jacket's going to seem, I think, awkward. Maybe, uh, might get the wrong impression if they see you. Oh, we're back. Yeah, there are other, you know, smaller, uh, if, if you're uncomfortable with, you know, powder based projectiles, you can I, always I, get you I, a. I have no gun. Yeah. Well, we can purchase one simply, but also if you'd rather have something to go a sap, uh, something you stick in a pocket rather than you know have to sort of brandish in the streets as though you were looking for a fireplace and it looked mislaid yourself. Does anybody have any cricket bats laying about from their school days? I have a cricket bat. <laughs> I have a cricket bat. I think I also have a kosh. That's more, I think, the sort of thing. A, a kosh would be very, very good. And I've also got a billy club. James, my God, what are you doing? Nothing. It's my gun. It's my revolver. Don't worry. I know how to use it. But you certainly <laughs> don't shove it up your nose. I don't think that's what that's intended for. Could go off accidentally. Uh, yeah. Um... You have you have plenty of time to arm yourselves if you guys need to. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. Right. This one is just a prop, Monty. My real one is safely in my jacket. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a ball. <laughs> James, now, now I'm questioning, why are you carrying around a prop gun? <laughs> That's a rather silly thing to do. Huh. So why, why not? All right. All right. So, um, um, so, Dimitri, are you wanting to go to the uh, Whitechapel district? Mm, duh. Mm. No, uh, no, the uh, the house, the book house. I, I go search for book. Oh, the book house. Okay, yeah. Mm. So, who are the book house boys, and who are the uh, uh, the Whitechapel boys? Ooh. I will go. I will go to Whitechapel. Yeah, sounds well. I. Sydney, you said you were good at lock picking, right? I'm a good mechanic and uh, hey, good not, engineering. I want to okay. tell you what to do, but I th- think uh might be uh, needing your lock pick skills at the uh, book house because yeah. I imagine the cops I, would have locked I, that up. I am, I am, I'm, I'm, I am useful with locks as well. Oh, oh. Well, I have, I, I can give you my card once again, uh, explaining to Mrs. 
grim. Okay. We need to look through the room. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that nobody's cleaned it. Uh, well, uh, oh. if 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 Dimitri, Sydney, and James want to go look at the books, uh, given James' masterful grasp of history, according to himself, um, and then myself, I, I can accompany Bernard and and Charles over to the uh, excellent, the not ma- not masterful. I just happen to uh, have a very good knowledge on Arabia. All right. Um, Let's start with the Whitechapel house. All right. You go back to that same dark alley. It's not so foggy now, but it's creepy and dark and um, you pull up in front of uh, uh, Mrs. Grimm's uh, boarding house, and uh, she lets you in. She uh, takes the card and says, anything for uh, Professor Smythe, uh, oh, because he, he paid for uh, you know, the unpaid bill, which is very nice of him. Um, she lets you in. The room is kind of the way you left it. She's like, oh, I'm going to have to get a, a professional cleaning crew in here once I can afford it. Um, oh, I can. I would uh, happily cover the charges for you. Um, that's very kind of you. Yes, we can um, certainly assist you in this process. We just want to make sure that nothing was overlooked about the poor fellow's uh, circumstances. Do you understand? Um. So she lets you in. Uh, I would like you to do, and it's and it's still daylight. There's still some light coming in through the windows, so it's much brighter than it was. In fact, uh, yes. Yeah, so we open some of these shades, we could probably see it a, a million times better than yeah. And air it out. Oh, um, smell. Yeah, and that there's still a little bit of lingering of that smell in here. All right. Uh, did you uh, did you did your spot hidden? Oh, can't roll oh, that one. Three, three. So, nice. and is yeah, an extreme. <laughs> so the first thing that you find, Montgomery, is you find some crumpled up pieces of paper, um, and it looks when when you open them up and look at them. It looks like somebody has hand copied uh, a number of odd sort of glyphs that mm. look familiar because they look like the thing on the hat, the, yeah. the, the lettering on the hat. Um, there's scribbles and there looks like there's an attempt to try and translate what it's saying. Um, so you're guessing that one of them, probably Lottie, has some knowledge of the language and he's trying to translate it. However, the only thing he was able to translate were two phrases. Uh, one that says, rising from the past, and the other one says, dominion over all. Well, at least the hat is quite humble in its aspirations. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> The second thing that you find 
kind of thrown in the garbage can. Uh, there are some fairy ticket stubs, and they are uh, in Turkish. They're Turkish. Uh, but you can see that they cover about nine trips from Constantinople um, to uh, a nearby island uh, all in the previous month. So he was, he was going from, I forget the name of the island, Marnamar or somewhere along the road. Um, it's it's a, just off the coast of Constantinople. So mm -hmm. he's been going back and forth to that island out there. Hmm. Um, and the other thing that you find is you find a small notepad. Uh, there's nothing written on it, but you can see there is an impression. Yeah, the old right. sideways lead test. Yeah. Uh, what you see is an address uh, in uh, Shoreditch. It doesn't oh. give the address, but it says that the short, uh, Shoreditch address. So there's a, an address for someplace in Shoreditch. I think the uh, only place less pleasant than Whitechapel is Shoreditch. Hmm. You think this is this, this is where they were staying? Yeah, they dash and useful if it were. Uh, although the scandals, well, like uh, we do there, we know what train they're booked on. Is it the same as ours? Or they get ahead of us. Uh, we don't know what train they were booked on. Oh, they, we just know that they were purchasing tickets on the fourth of August, but it, mm. for what for what departure date we didn't get. I imagine, I mean, how often does the Orient Express leave? We may uh, be on the same train as them. A couple times a week. It might be that you catch up to that train. That's what you're intending. Uh, you don't know At the very thing. least, we can see what they left behind in their own establishment. They left plenty behind here. They're slovenly bastards. Mm -hmm. um, yes, they might have... I mean, I'm it's Miss Griff, right? Is the uh, Grim. lady Grim? Miss Grim. Grim. Going to uh, go. I'm going to go ask her a question real quick. See if okay. she they so I go down and uh, go, Miss Grim. Um, who, when was this room let and by who? Uh, it was let on. Uh... It was let on Friday, August 4th, by a Mr. Leeds. Mr. At least Leeds. that's what he called himself. Yes. yes, yes. Okay. He was a bit outlandish, if you ask me. He was overdressed oh. uh, like he was going to the opera oh. with a big top hat, with a big top hat and tails. And hmm. Seemed to be rather flamboyant, uh, white mustache. Um, I'm guessing bald head because I didn't see any hair. Right. Yeah. He uh, forgive me. He he didn't bring any uh, ladies up that were walking oh, no. the street. Okay. No, but he had two gentlemen with him, and well, he had three gentlemen with him. One of them had uh, 
one of them seemed to be unconscious or drunk or something like that. And uh, he brought him, he brought them in and he, uh, he told me later that it was his, uh, his mm. brother who was uh, uh, you know, trying to overcome an addiction to right. explain all of the yelling and screaming. But now that we look back on it, we think that it was something much worse. Ah. Ah. Thank you. <laughs> Did he ever let on how he came to know that there was uh, an open room in your establishment? Oh, I have no idea. I imagine he just went door to door to find some place, or maybe he... I have no idea. I've never seen him before. He certainly didn't look like the person, the kind of person who would visit this area very often. Aside to Charles and Bernard, why, why in the devil did they bring him here? Yeah, I mean, if they had a place they were staying already. Yeah, in a in a worse part of town. Maybe uh, people knew them in shortage and the screaming. It's Mr. Leeds. I mean, most likely an alias. Yes, we've heard of Leeds before. I think it's Lottie. That's what I was thinking too. It's easier to remember your alias if it begins with the same initial. Something. uh, Do you speak from experience, Charles? Oh. I, uh, I wasn't always a respectable businessman. I... Or should I say Cornelius? <laughs> uh, or Montgomery for my last name. But no. <laughs> uh, as, to the, uh, as to the remnants of the apartment, the flat that was let, um, you know, there's probably, you know, something of a mess on the floor next to where the doctor was assaulted and so on. Yeah. Probably the the washroom's down the hall, so it's perhaps been cleaned. Uh, Is there anything, any other material in that little flat that suggests uh, what, who and what passed through? There's no discarded reading material. There's no newspapers. Are there boot prints or a discarded or forgotten hat or glove people said in a hurry i assume uh, yeah it does seem like they left in a hurry but it it also looks like they probably didn't unpack so to Mm -hmm. speak i mean they they were they obviously threw some things away and made some notes yeah i think charles the answer to the question is that they wanted a discardable room Mm -hmm. and that's why they brought him to this random hole and they would have been successful if uh, Pook hadn't called out Professor Smythe's name. Yes. What was left the poor fellow? Mm. Well, uh, off to Shorjich then? One thing that we've not considered. Was Professor Smythe in danger, do you think, at his residence? Oh, I think we're all in. Well, I, I understand our investigation could get us noticed, but this young man 
said, Professor Smythe, perhaps in the presence of these thugs. Hmm. Possibly. But well, his mind is aware. He is, yes. He knows how to take care of himself also. But it wouldn't hurt to uh, maybe point this out to him. I mean, the, you know, the, the, this poor Pooh fellow has suffered a great deal, as best we can apprehend, before he was transformed into whatever that thing was. Ugh. I don't. I don't assume that uh, that Smythe is unconscious of the danger that that implies. No, gentlemen. I think there was an answer to a puzzle of ours right before our very eyes when they brought the poor fellow here. Um, Mrs. Grimm gave an account of their descriptions and none of them were wearing a fez. Yeah, he was wearing a top hat. Hmm. So I, I, I must confess, Montgomery, I'm, I'm missing the piece of the puzzle. It's not, not fitting for me. The, the, the young man was not wearing the fez when he was brought here. Oh! He was. Yeah. They put it on him. Here, was put on him. Here, ah, yes, yes. So that that does make sense, and that answers the question of how it got on there. Well, yeah, that 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 brings us back to the confusion that I had earlier. Why would they give an object of power to someone they wished to destroy or control? Testing it, testing it. Scared, they were scared of it, right? And now they had a a test subject, so to speak. When he stole it from them, well, that's another question. How he did that? Well, maybe he didn't. He, I mean, they said they brought him. He quite seemed quite drunk. And Charles, you said just touching it made you awfully sick, didn't it? It did. Yeah. So perhaps poor Poop, when he sees the fez. Um, got himself sick. Maybe he oh. wanted to leave the bag, uh, so they thought they still had it. But he 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 picked the thing up itself, and mm, yes, he got sick, and uh, it was easy for them to overpower him. Then couldn't get away. Mm. Mm, it was perhaps they shoved it into his jacket or something, and it had that deleterious effect upon his psyche while they bore him hither. And then to torture him, but they put the hat on. They let the and then they were they were safely away before the hat caused him to become dangerous. Well, they need the book. They didn't. Oh my god! All right, they had the book. They'd stolen it already. Yes, because they were casing the place where they were going to steal it. So they had the fez, and they had the book, and they had Pook. Mm. 
And the book already killed the old Fez collector. Had his book returned to find poor Pook disabled or tempted by the Fez or whatnot. And Mm. well, now we have a pretty good idea of how he ended up in this situation. But but they did you think they tortured him before they put the fez upon his head? Or did the fez itself torture him? Or uh, I I, th- I think I thought the fez was would have been what was torturing him. I mean, it was imagine the pain of something essentially stitching itself to your head becoming one with your flesh up there Ugh. I don't relish it myself but it's intended to grant one uh, considerable power they weren't afraid that Pook would be able to combat them of course the, also you're supposed to feed the Fez blood of royals you could hardly attain such material in a place like this mm. I perhaps I'm too uh, materially minded to understand these things I mean unless one of them already had that blood I mean if they were a descendant themselves mm. the people after the, the fez in the book I mean right. and yet they left us the blood red fez not by choice, though. Remember, they were watching the place. Uh, it, at least we saw some people watching the place wearing fezes when we showed la- last I mean, night. Perhaps it is a lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe they, they never intended to to leave the fez, but the fez refused to Pick go up. with them, if that makes any sense. Seems if a will that's in. Perhaps if we can get a hold of the book itself, it'll make more sense. Yes. Okay, so Sydney and Dimitri and James. Oh, you guys are sneaking over to the house. Okay. Um, so you come up to the house, you can see that there is um, evidence that the police were there. Uh, there's a, I don't know what they did back in the 1800s. There's no trespassing sign. Um, but like I said, the property is pretty shrouded because of bushes and, and things like that. And it would be fairly easy to get around to the back. There are no lights on. So maybe he wasn't currently married or maybe his wife, maybe he was a widower because there's nobody home. And the and the neighborhood's fairly quiet. Let's sneak in and enter through through back door. Very good idea. Yes, good indeed. We don't we don't want to draw any attention to us. Make any unwanted noise. I'm, I'm wearing my stealth black suit here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I would like you to do a stealth roll, but do it 
with a bonus. Oh, 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 good. It's a bonus. And now I did just roll a 100. So I don't know if that supersedes anything. No. <laughs> I have a standard success. Rolled originally an 85, but now I rolled a 75. Uh, so, um, yeah. So is that a fail? I fail. Massive fail. I barely have any. I don't even have anything other than the base. Okay. Itself, so. and, and Sydney, how did you do? I just failed. Do you want to do a uh, uh, luck? Uh, close. Why don't you spend some luck? Uh, it's 10, 10 points. Uh, <laughs> and one of us failed already. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, no, we'll, 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 if, if you don't want to, then uh, uh, Dimitri, uh, just like a snake, uh, navigates through the bushes and around to the back. Uh, Sydney, you're second, and James is coming up behind you when James trips and falls forward and sort of crashes to the ground and gives you a shove, which reveals you. Um, I don't think there's anybody near enough to notice. So okay. I'm quietly heard. swearing to myself in Russian. Yeah, obviously. The guy who said we keep the noise down has to make the most noise. So you come up to the back door. Um, you have enough light where you can see the door well enough, but I mean, it's not like it's not like you can't really see details. But uh, you could certainly pick the lock if you want to try. I would give it a shot. Not that good. If if I assisted, could it help any any bit? Because I'm kind of. Why don't you go ahead and roll as well? Yeah. Okay. And oh wait, okay, I can make a success if I spin uh, two points of luck. Okay. So with your with your assistance, yeah, you managed to pop that. So the lock, you hear it click, and the door opens. Um, Large actually, grin to uh, to Sydney. Um, Mister, uh, uh, under normal circumstances, uh, Mister, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mister Devore's house. It's actually a very nice one. Um, you're coming in from the back through the kitchen. Uh, but once you're out of the kitchen, you can see that the room has been ransacked. Um, he had displays all over the place with, uh, with hats. And there are, there are still quite a few hats in displays, but there also, there's a bunch of them strewn around the room. They've been stomped on or, or not violently. So, but just ignored. Uh, nobody took any care of the things. Some of them are very old. Some of them are very ratty. Oh, by the way, how are you, what are you, you doing to be able to see? So we, assuming that we're going through the kitchen and based on the time period, I would assume that there would be a collection of candlesticks and maybe, you know, a candle holder and matches. So I want to try and fish something sure. out and, uh, and, and, um, uh, I'm going to, if need be, I'm going to break a candlestick to make it really short and get it into the uh, candle holder. So it's a really small thing so that with just my hand, I can easily obstruct and, and diminish some of the light so that 
the bobbies walking outside don't see uh, yellow bobs of light. Okay. I'll, I'll turn my lantern down a little bit. I got this really small lantern. It's like a, it's a, you know. A little hooded lantern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very small, as you can see for the day. All right. State of the art. So you're looking around and you do see the smashed glass cases. Um, you also notice, you know, a desk and the regular furniture that you would expect to see in a very nice, uh, like early Victorian. Is it Victorian period? I think so. Sydney, Sydney, check the, <laughs> yeah. check the smashed case for a book. I will, I will rifle through desk. Okay. Uh, uh, James, I don't is there a bookshelf or anything in here? Um, no, there are just glass cases. Okay. I, I will just look wherever the other two aren't looking and keep an eye out as well. Okay. Um, you do notice that there are a number of uh, like police tags uh, just like they've put in place and probably photographed. Uh, I don't know what police practices were like back then, but, you know, I'm just making it up. Um, of course, how do you know if a book's missing? You don't know whether it was there or not to begin with. Uh, but that does seem to be a focus. The bookcases are, are broken open. So yeah, we'll spread her out in this room. I want to do the desk. Yeah. I'll and then we'll just, we'll start checking around to see if there's anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, the desk. Um, you get over to the desk and uh, you find uh, what looks kind of like a ledger. And you realize the man was a collector. So he has records of everything in his collection every fez, every purchase, where he purchased it, and so forth. Um, go ahead and do, do an accounting roll. Ooh, accounting. Joy. But with Ledger, maybe uh, uh, Professor Smythe might... Uh, Want and so pocket ledger to take with. Okay, well, it's not a pocket ledger. <laughs> <laughs> Stick under arm could, and hold out I, with armpit. I, I'm, I'm pretty. This, do I see this? Can I catch an eye from across? I mean, yeah, the, you guys are talking to each other. I'm sure. Okay, so I would like to spend. Uh, let's see, that is one, two, three points of luck and succeed. Better slow down on the luck, though, after this. <laughs> All right. So it takes you a little bit because his writing is fairly fine, and he's got a lot of details in there about the, the, the items that he, he purchased. Uh, you eventually do find a listing for the Whispering Fez. Oh, um, it says... What it says specifically is the Whispering Fez, uh, uh, possibly, and it says next to it, possibly uh, one of the originals uh, written what? in what looks like Persian and some other language. 
uh, and that he paid 25 pounds for it. Here, all right. Hefty sum. Dimitri, do another like spot hidden. I you're you're going through stuff. I don't think you need to do a spot hidden. Um, I don't have a handout for this, but what you do find after you look through his mail and stuff is you find a letter from a Mr. Leeds in Para Constantinople, and he is offering uh, uh, Mr. DeVore uh, 100 pounds sterling for the book, The Whispering Fez. But from what you can tell, the answer is the, the letter is unanswered. Uh, actually, he had also mentions that he understands that it has recently come into Mr. DeVore's possession, uh, but there is no address, no, no return address or anything like that. And the date, the date on the letter is about two weeks ago. So Leeds slash Lottie was looking for it. This, this is this. It still could be here. Then they may not have found it. This it sounds like he had it. This is. We need to look more closely here. We might not have found it. I I would suspect, possibly, if uh, if this uh, accountant was this uh, collector was very paranoid. If he had good Russian stock, he would be quite paranoid. Book <laughs> book may be well hidden may not be in case for for common thief to find wall safe i'm thinking maybe if he, if he had search yeah. much more thoroughly if, if it's something so important for sure in a more secure location than just in a mm. display box um go ahead and do a spot hidden for me right. boom there's a what level of success no Ooh. no okay Standard success. I could make it hard. You know what? I am going to make it. I'm going to spend four luck and make it a hard success. No, hard don't success. Do don't do that. Don't do that. Um, you you spend a considerable amount of time. You think of all the, the nifty tricks and things of what you might where where it might be hidden. You don't find any evidence of any hidden anything. Um, in fact, he seemed he may not have understood the importance of the book but everything in his collections on display. He probably loved walking around, sipping tea and staring at all of the things that he had collected. So it most likely was probably in that case there. You know, you're just guessing that there's obviously something was on display in that case that's just now smashed glass. Yeah. And it's yeah. also probably what what uh, Pook said they were, they hadn't just jumped on the train and left. So they were looking for something. They probably found it. Yeah. Damn. As Fanny Mazar says, uh, double dog damn. Yeah. Triple, triple dog damn. There, Dimitri. Yeah. Hmm. I feel we may be at a, Bit of a dead end here, my, my fellows. He says as he looks down at the big blood splot all over the floor <laughs> where the man was murdered. 
It's a dead end. No, I'm right. to be topical. <laughs> so without being seen or noticed, you guys managed to slip back out again. You've, you're, you're sure that you've thoroughly looked through the place um, and that you've, you've pretty much surmised what, what was going on. Um, all right. So uh, the other three. You guys had mentioned that you, uh, well, do you still want to do that? Were you going to go by this other address? I, I vote for it, yes. Uh, we, we could at least have my driver go by, just go mm-hmm. look out the carriage and see. Yeah, before we leave town, we should follow up whatever bits and dits there are. Mm-hmm. So you drive there and uh, actually says here in my book, Victorian Shoreditch is known for its squalor. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty bad area. Uh, it's also it's also you know mid evening mm-hmm. when you get there. The address is on a second floor. Uh, it's a second floor apartment. Uh, if you're guessing which apartment it is up there, you're guessing the lights are off. So whoever it is isn't here at the moment. Well, dusk. I mean, uh, we can uh, get a sense of uh, the building and um, see if there's a post box that tells us about tenancy and so on. All right. Yeah. You uh, you go through the front and you look at the post boxes, and for two um, uh, A, say that's the apartment that you had listed. It's a Mr. Bentley Burnham. Burnham. Mm-hmm. Likely story. Mm. Well, I mean, we're here. Do we want to knock on the door, see if they're there? If they answer? Oh, sorry. I thought this was uh, Miss Havisham's uh, apartment. You go upstairs, um, you find the door. Uh, the place is shabby. The place doesn't look well-built or well-constructed. Um, you knock on the door. There is no answer. Uh, you don't see any light either. Yeah, I turned the knob. Well, it's locked. Oh, uh, if only there was something for me to use my accounting knowledge on. I'm so useless with lockpick. Hmm. Uh, I imagine you can count on how uh, inexpensive the lock on a door like this is. Yeah, I mean... If I were to say cough and bend this way, I'd probably just knock the door right open. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you accidentally hit your shoulder against it hard... Do a a strength roll. I did not do it. My strength of 35... (laughs) It's a regular success. Okay. Yeah, without much trouble, it, it pops right open. Mm. Um, the room is, it's just a single room. Uh, there is, the bathroom is down the, the hallway. It's a communal bathroom. Um, it's 
fairly neat. Uh, you can see that there is another suit hanging in the closet. Uh, there is a suitcase uh, that it looks like whoever it was might have been in the process of packing. Uh, there, these are men's clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are some co- there's some, some bits of correspondence on the, on the desk to a Mister uh, Bentley Burnham. Consistent name, at least. Well, let's look at those first. Um, How dusty is it? Um, not particularly dusty. Uh, and the bed, although the bed's not made at the moment, the bed does look slept in. Okay. Um, so what are you looking at, Bernard? Correspondence. You're looking at the correspondence. I'm going to go through the suitcase, you know, and I'm lo- what I'm specifically looking for is uh, tickets for uh, the Orient Express. Oh. Okay. Um, you're looking, well, let's, let's start with, you're looking at the correspondence. Um, there's not much, mostly bills, things that he needs to pay. Um, there is, however, a uh, something that looks like a receipt. Mm. And it's a generic. It's for services rendered. Um, and there's, there's an initial, uh, but the initial is... Uh, is HL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leads, Lordy. Uh, how much? Um a hundred pounds. Good heavens. Oof. Not for not for this flat. Quite all right. But the service is unspecified. Well, yeah, the service may have been bashing in a poor old Fez collector. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe this is a thug that they hired. I would think that if I had a, a little bit of a self-motivated pseudo-religious organization, I'd include the thuggery within, but hmm. you know, perhaps plausible deniability could be relevant. relevant. Uh, we should certainly um, make sure there's nothing uh, of interesting, you know, interesting material here to yeah. be read before we leave. Of um, as I'm looking at the suitcase, I have a decent anthropology. I don't know if this is coming to play. Is the clothes more of a 1890s English or more of an 1890s? Uh, Turkey was at what Western no, Asia? It's definitely English. Um, you would guess um, the clothes. If if you went by you know style and so yeah. forth, it's definitely the clothes of a younger man. Hmm. Um, do a spot hidden as you're looking through the suitcase. Yes, twenty-two pass. <laughs> There's a buttoned compartment against the, the interior uh, roof of the, uh, the suitcase. Mm-hmm. You pop that open, and there seem to be a number of uh, papers inside in a, in a folder. 
and uh, written on the front of the folder is, <clears throat> excuse me, is for Hieronymus Lati. And uh. when you when you open the folder, your blood runs cold because what's inside the folder is a bunch of information about the six of you or rather mm. the seven of you because smiles mentioned in there as well i uh, i pocket the folder it, is it able to be folded and fit into uh, trench coat's pocket like in the manila yeah, I, I kind of fold it because I want to take. I don't want him to hand this over, <laughs> or oh, it, it has this. been handed over. <laughs> the service is rendered. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned it. A, mentioned everybody it to do a listen. Oh man, ninety-nine. <laughs> Fail seventy. <laughs> uh, Twenty-four. I will have to spend a few points, but I will happily do so. Because as soon as I hear that noise he makes, I feel a bit on guard. Um, Bernard, you just happen to be standing closest to the window when you hear the distinct sound of a bicycle bell. And you glance out the window and you see a young man coming down the street in a light-colored suit mm. heading for the building. Uh, yes, we have uh, our, 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 our cream-colored bicyclist is approaching. Oh, well, then we should, we should uh... close the door and arrange ourselves appropriately for a proper welcome. Oh, I was thinking leave. Or backstairs. The backstairs was what I was. Yes, I was so thinking. Not come here I, for a fight. Should have brought Dimitri. <laughs> well, if you'd, I, I wouldn't mind smacking the loud about a bit, but we are, we don't know how many of his friends he has with him. It's yes, true. A little bit. So backstairs. Yeah. If you prefer um, discretion, I'll follow. Yeah, I start moving. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that you can time it well enough where you go down the stairs and out the back door before he actually comes into the front. Um, do you want to just skedaddle? Yes, I do. Okay. Shouldn't we see if he can summon some of his uh, rosy-headed peers? I could be convinced to stay. He but seems yeah, my... to be all alone. Yeah. Mm. I mean, is there even a telephone in the building along with the washroom down the hall? Or is probably it some... not. Yeah. There's probably not a telephone. He'd have to leave even to get accomplices. I think we should find a convenient shadowy place and see where the little fellow runs off to. Yes, yeah. tail him. Yeah. Well, he doesn't go anywhere. He comes inside, he checks his mail, and then he uh, 
he and his bike go up the stairs to his room. Mm-hmm. I would expect that he'd notice that the dossier was missing within the first 20 minutes, but perhaps I'm assuming a greater importance than we actually hold for him. Did you want to wait and see if anything happens? Or? It was my inclination to, to, to okay. uh, post a little watch on him from the shadows. Well, it seems like nothing happens. You're there for 20 minutes and... It's tedious. Did we get the impression that he lived alone? Yes. Okay. A single squalid room in a low rent flat in Shoreditch. And uh, no sign of the money that he'd gotten for keeping an eye on us. Uh, The notes that, um, well, I I assume that you're sharing with us at some point these. this dossier. Yes. Is it, is it, uh, or is this information written in an educated hand? Well, you guys are sort of hiding in the dark. So, well, that's, yeah, we, I guess we're, it's off to the Oriental Club and we'll look over this material once, once we get bored. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, nothing happens. So he may have not even noticed that it's missing. Um, you eventually get back to the Oriental Club. Uh, well, actually, you were probably at the Professor Smythe's place. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, you all rendezvous back at Professor Smythe's. Um, so what do you want to... Uh, you show the, the dossier. Of course, yeah. And it looks like he may have been tracking your movements just for the last couple of days. Uh, but he was definitely hired by uh, Lottie, hmm. specifically to find out what the hell you guys are up to. Now, when you say last couple of days, are you saying starting the day that Smythe contacted us? Starting the day that they probably saw you yeah, go yeah. into the building. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And with that revelation, maybe we will stop there and pick this up again next week. We're at an hour and 52 minutes. So, James, uh, James, uh, Josh wanted to start a little early so we can accommodate him. Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gasway, Stuart Lively, Keith Craig, Josh Harwood, and John Hook, with yours truly as the keeper of the secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members, you can set up private games, and you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastery. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Riley, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.